And we are live here on the Tunisius Experience. I'm your host, Mantuna Isius. Did we get married? Did we get married? Is our last name hyphenated? No. Um, welcome back. It's uh, February 22nd, 2013. I'm your host, uh, David Chirakan. And. <laughs> Chirakan? What, uh, what nationality is that? Chirakan is uh, from Iraq. 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 Yeah. Ch- Chirak from Iraqan. Iraqan Chirak? Gabriel Sharon. Who is that? Is that somebody? Uh, there's a Sharon Perez. I think he was a prime minister of Israel. Isn't there Sharon Carter? Maybe somebody in the world was named that. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe in the history of humans there have been people of these names. Right. People with influence, if you could say. Uh, that's a bad segue into the topic we're going to discuss, which is the three most influential movies of the 1990s. What we feel are our personal, what I feel is my personal and your personal. Right. And uh, like I was saying before we started, influential is a, su- a subjective term, so... I think we'll have to go into some good detail about You're gonna have what's to go into so some good detail. important about these movies. Yeah, why don't you uh, why don't you start us off there, Van Nessius? Uh, tell us what you think is an influential movie from the 1990s. Are you okay. are you are you okay with that? Yeah, I'm are you good ready? With that. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll start us off. Go ahead. Pulp Fiction. Pulp Fiction. I am not the biggest fan of this movie in general, but I admit why, that. Why, it, why is that? Uh, I don't know. I think I just. Don't like uh, Quentin Tarantino all that much. Personally, no, not the man. He he seems fine. I'm just mean like his movies. Like I'm not the biggest fan of them, but I can appreciate them. And I know it was influential. And I know people love that movie. And I know it influenced a lot of other filmmakers after the fact. And he kind of brought to popularity that like exploitation style. Okay. And I, I kind of originally thought Reservoir Dogs would be more appropriate, but. Not as many people knew about that movie, I, I guess. That's true. I don't think a lot of people... I don't think the general public knew about Reservoir Dogs, per se, when Pulp Fiction was released. And that was such a bloody movie that I think that kind of influence, like, Saw and that kind of, like, gore You, you mean Reservoir Dogs? Yeah. Wow. I think it influenced a lot, really? that movie. Yeah. So wow. I'm kind of torn between, like, those two movies. I think they're both really influential. Interesting. And I like Reservoir Dogs a little bit better. I think I maybe saw it first. Um, but they're both kind of tough to watch for me. Interesting. Wow. Um, Reservoir Dogs influencing Saw. I don't know about that. I, I don't think... I don't know. I don't know if that's that's it. It's way different kinds of gore and, and blood. And I don't think that Reservoir Dogs is hard to watch. I think, think it's pretty reasonable, you know. What's his name? Gets shot. This guy gets shot. This guy gets killed. Mr. Bink! You know, I felt bad for the cop, really, at the end. I mean, I mean well, yeah, I guess that's the worst part. Horribly tortured. Yeah, but you know. Yeah, you know, human torture. It's 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 not that bad once you've seen it a few times. And it's it's skillfully, skillfully uh, shot and edited. Sure, I'm not saying it wasn't done well. I'm just saying, like, like watching that kind of made me sick when I remembered it. And I was like, I don't really want to see that again. No, that's true, I understand that. Um, and I just mean, like... Not necessarily that like Reservoir Dogs led to Saul, like, A to B, but, like, that movie kind of was very gory for the time. Like, what happens at the end is, is pretty brutal, and, like, not a lot of movies were doing that at the time. I don't 
thing. So I think they just like made it okay to be like, oh, you can show people getting shot in the head and getting their ears cut off. It's true. Lit on fire. That's cool. Yeah, no, I can, I can understand that. I don't think a lot of movies were doing that kind of realish violence, but definitely Robocop was over yeah. the top and super bloody and he gets his hand blown off and there's something, you know, the guy that gets shot out the window and things like that. And that came out before Reservoir Dogs by, by, you know, a few years. But that's also a robot cop in the future. Like, there's a certain amount of, like, I can allow this because it's made up. It's true. Commando was bloody. Predator was very bloody. Mm-hmm. Um, Die Hard is, is pretty bloody, I guess, with his feet and all the guys getting shot. And I mean, for the time, those movies were extremely like, whoa, the ultimate violence movies, which now they're, they're, it's kind of quaint. It's like, oh, you killed 12 people, and we witnessed it through, you know, the, even the, mm. the, the goons in Die Hard have more personality than like squads and squads of guys in all these new movies. It's upsetting. Well, yeah, I think that there's a lost art in the character, the villain. Like, if you don't care about the villain, why do you care about the story? Why do you care that he doesn't accomplish his goal? And he wasn't lying about Marco. He's done on the street. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, love it. Yeah, villains drive the story in many, many ways. Is this what you're learning? Uh, I mean, I've learned many lessons <laughs> from watching movies. That's one of them. Okay, all right. That's cool. So we agree on our first movie, is that correct? Well, I didn't actually say what my first movie was. Oh, I thought you were agreeing. Is it, in fact, Pulp Fiction? Owls, yeah, because we're not going in any predetermined order. I will also agree that Pulp Fiction was the one I picked as well as one of the three. Um, for the same reasons, essentially, I think you have your your uh, stylized, uh, like, David Fincher-type people, um, and you're also your retrofield people like Wes Anderson. I think they owe a little bit... Um, each of them to Tarantino and making that acceptable and also the coolest thing around not to mention like Lockstock and um, mm. Snatch by Guy Ritchie also I think those movies are a direct result of you know Tarantino and Reservoir Dogs and more, more so Pulp Fiction definitely with this, the soundtrack and using the retro retro soundtrack in ways that hadn't been done before I think also with Reservoir Dogs again um and very talky movies. There's tons of dialogue. The, yeah, the snappy dialogue, I think, is... I think almost every movie now tries to have snappy dialogue. All your romantic comedies, all your gross-out barf comedies, um, all your, your bridesmaids and things like that. It's like back, back and forth, back and forth. And I think Tarantino, especially referencing the pulp... Uh, pulp... Pulp flexion. Yeah, okay. <laughs> referencing the pop culture... In his dialogue, I think he was one of the first people to like streamline that and make it the coolest thing ever. Plus, you know, in that he, that era, he had like so many cool things that he was either involved in or he directed it with *Dust Till Dawn* and *Jackie Brown* and things like that. So, um, I do agree, *Pulp Fiction*. Indeed. As kind of an aside, do you feel like that stuff because it's it dates itself very much with the popular reference? Do you feel like? that hasn't aged well or won't age well the, the, the more time is under it? Because then it's like, oh, that movie was made in 1992, and you can tell. No, I don't think so. I, I don't think so, because especially in Pulp Fiction, they reference a lot of like old 70s shows and old, old 70s music indefinitely, or in, you know, in, in particular, that they, they mention. I don't think that they mention, they mention Madonna and Reservoir Dogs. I think it's... 
Okay. I, think it, I think it's still relevant. I think it's still going to be relevant, especially because people aren't going to be thinking, well, what a, what a dated reference. They're going to be thinking, wow, this is a pretty cool movie and this and that. Or they'll appreciate it for its datedness because it, even when it came out, even when it was fresh, it had the freshest yet most retro feel of any movie, which how do you do that? Mm-hmm. I think a Tenenbaums and I think a, a Steve, tu- Steve Tussaud. I can't, I can't speak today for some reason. We haven't done this in a couple weeks. Uh, I've been on vacation. My parents came to town. I'm sorry, this is an aside for you. Personal aside. Personal aside. I've been on vacation. My parents were in town, so we've been doing... Well, you weren't really on vacation. You were working hard. Yeah, working hard. So we've been not doing this for a couple weeks, and I apologize. We're going to get back on this because I know you want to hear us, and I know you want to hear our opinions. But yeah, I haven't, People can't wait to hear our I, opinions. I haven't done it in a while, so I'm a little, I'm a little rusty, you know? I think they'll forgive you. I think our listener will forgive you. <laughs> our listener, my wife, will forgive me. Thank you. Um, but yeah, it's been a while, and uh, I like that we're doing this. I'm, I'm, this is a good topic, too. Yeah, I thought, well, I thought about this while I was on vacation. <laughs> yeah, it's good. Um, okay, so I think we both covered that. But you know, yeah, also, things like Get Shorty, I think, the, those movies. Yeah, that was like a direct copy. Um, you know, even Gross Point Blank, I think all this is like... Like, so hip to be cool, so hip to be badass, so hip to... I think it's just, like, the slow motion, like, walk down the hall and stuff, like... And I'm sure there were other influences aside from this movie. Like, this one movie didn't, like, remake popular culture, but it was was a big... It's such a a big movie. All right, so moving on, then. Uh, Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead to number two. uh, My second most influential movie of the 90s, I would have to say Jurassic Park. Because it's just such a... Damn good movie. Well, being good does not mean it's influential. Why is it influential? Because I think its quality set the the benchmark for smart action movies, uh, where especially CGI was used properly. Examples. And, Just give me two examples, please. Well, any blockbuster movie that comes out after, like any superhero movie that comes out now, tries to be smart with a good storyline and uses a ton of CGI. So you think that's because of, I'm sorry, because of Jurassic Park, not Terminator 2? Oh, I figured you were going to probably pick that. Um, I thought about that, and while I like Terminator 2 a lot, I just think Jurassic Park did a better job. It was a newer story. Yes, it was taken from a book, but it wasn't a sequel. So it just, it started a six-film franchise. Terminator 2, great movie, part of a larger franchise. But that was how, is, how is Jurassic Park any more influential than, say, Independence Day? There was definitely more movies that veered on the Independence Day side of things than the Jurassic Park side of things. Yeah, that's why I'm saying Jurassic Park stands out, because it was the benchmark of the quality. Whereas Independence Day, you watch it now, and you're like, this movie, yeah, it was big for the time, but it doesn't last. Like, it's not nearly as good. Uh, and any any reasonable person would probably admit that one is inferior to the other. It's true. Jurassic Park is better than Independence Day, but I still don't see how like Jurassic Park isn't referenced as like this movie that stopped everything and then turned everything right around. You know, it 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 didn't do that. It had some sequels and it had this and that and whatever. And there was obviously a lot of disaster esque movies of that time with the volcanoes and the Dante's Peaks and the core mm-hmm. and. You know, whatever else ones that they had, Day After Tomorrow, which is, event, you know, 10 years later or whatever. But um, I don't think that Jurassic Park influenced really that much. Okay. I think it came out, it was huge, and it was gone. Oh, I don't think... I remember I got the the VHS when it came out, and that was like a year later, and it was still in the theaters. 
That its bits. lasting power was huge. It's it's true, but that's how movies used to be. Movies used to be in the theaters for more than three weeks. Sure, especially but if they were a whole well. year, and I think it was probably in theaters even longer than that. It was just, it it just stuck around. I remember I saw it three or four times in the theater, and I never saw anything more than once usually. No, I mean, it's an excellent movie, and it's a classic. It is a classic, and everyone loves it, and people usually don't have anything bad to say about it, except you can see a guy's hand, like, adjusting the raptor in the first raptor scene in the kitchen or whatever. That's, like, the, the biggest complaint people have about that oh, movie. I've seen it. Uh, it's, you know, it's a blooper reel or whatever. But I, I still don't feel that it's that influential. I don't, I think, I think nowadays people are still kind of rocking the gear, I guess. But I think that's also because it's been perpetuated through... The sequels and through, through the fact that there hasn't been a lot of dinosaur movies. People have included dinosaurs in movies. They were in the King Kong budget movie, mm. and dinosaur variants are in like the John Carter movie and the episode two Phantom oh, right. Attack Phantom Star Wars. Attack the Phantoms. Attack, ta- attack Star Wars Phantoms. Um, but there's a, there's a lot of dinosaur esque, but I don't think anyone's done a dinosaur movie because I think they can't. You know, stand up to Jurassic Park. Exactly. Yeah, yeah that's true. But I mean, that's just a, such a such a pinpoint niche, like the dinosaur movie. You can't do them because Jurassic Park is still the best one. That's that's. I mean, it's true, but I don't think that's a lasting influence on action movies or science fiction movies. So or you s- don't. Sorry, God. Or okay. or smart, you know, sci-fi movies. Like Contact or Sphere. I mean, I think sure, those... those are good movies, but they didn't have the the same impact. Here's my final thought on this, and we can move on. Is that because no one is making a purely dinosaur movie other than Jurassic Park sequels? I feel like it kind of like almost in a way closed the door to that genre to be like, we got this, and everybody else was like, oh yeah. So like their influence wasn't necessarily positive. It was just kind of like we're gonna do dinosaur movies, and everybody else was like, oh, okay. <laughs> You know what I mean? No, I understand that, but I, I still think even the, the Jurassic World sequel made by, you know, the people who hold the keys to Jurassic Park wasn't a movie I would even want to watch again. Well, no, but that's the sequels. I mean, you're... I'm only talking about the first one. The, I, the second one was... Uh, third one, never watched. And the I fourth like, one, I've seen I, I think two the, minutes of. the third one is actually my favorite sequel. Um, favorite sequel? Of, of the Jurassic Park sequels. Out yeah. of two, three, and four? yeah. Anyway, okay, uh, so we can talk about the Jurassic Park lineage later, but... The 3 is a really short movie. It's only like an hour and a half long, and it has a really cool aviary scene with the, the pterodactyls, which yeah. I think is worth viewing the, the movie by itself. Plus, <laughs> Sam Neill, you know. I'll, right, I'll Neil. watch anything with Sam Neill. Sam Neill all day. Sam, Sam Neill reading the morning, morning paper, taking his tea for two hours. I'm watching it. <laughs> live feed, baby, live. He's got something new coming out. Does uh, he? Well, he's, yeah. he's everywhere. He's, he's quality. He would have liked to see Montana. He would have. So sad. Did we make it to Montana? No, we went to Wyoming. La la la. Mm. So my second movie on this list of lists is 1999's The Matrix, um, starring my good friend Larry Fishburne, Keanu Reeves, Carrie Ann Moss, Joey Pants, also my good friend, um, and a host of others. Mm-hmm. That blonde chick... That blonde chick. Yeah. Twitch or something. Twitch? Her name was Twitch or something. Oh, you mean the the Russian? No, her name was Switch, right? 
I don't there's, know. There's APOC and there's Mouse. And Such I think, memorable characters. I think her name was Switch, not like this. Oh, okay. yeah, that's who I thought you were talking about. Not like this. <laughs> <laughs> I think that was her only line of dialogue. No, she was pretty cool. She was badass. Those uh, pirates, as they were, sort of? Yeah, sort of. But uh, So anyway, The Matrix, I feel, is one of the most influential movies of the 90s because every single movie, even to this day, even to this day, we still have goddamn bullet time all over the place. It's always in, always in trailers, and it's always, and I think that's, I think that comes from the slow down effect of, you know, the even the first scene with Carrie Ann Moss doing the, when she jumps up and she's like, you know, it spins around and she kicks the cop. We've all seen the movie. But I think that the the influence of that movie and those effects and that you know that's another one that's like they made cool a whole new thing it's like tech cool like all black and the black shades and the slick black hair which is kind of corny nowadays but that movie definitely still holds up despite the archaic laptops and cell phones and stuff that they use you know what i always loved about that movie the green tint the green tint it's interesting it it definitely it definitely makes the, the movie unique i feel mm-hmm. um even at the time i remember like specials or you know little interviews or whatever behind the scenes about how influential that was and like how they set up the bullet time cameras how yeah, it was basically yeah. like you know get dozens rail. of yeah. cameras on a rail and I was like wow that's pretty awesome it's it's cool um, it, it was very innovative so I feel I feel that all I think there's a whole subgenre of movies that are just based off the Matrix unlike Jurassic Park which has closed the genre the Matrix I feel just expanded the genre now it's you know everyone is a tech wizard anyone can hack anyone can you know have an earpiece and it's just even the TV shows now it's just they take they take our lives and make it kind of like the Matrix because that was cool for you know it was a huge movie obviously but I I think that it just has influenced to this day almost all um, you know, covert espionage type. Mm-hmm. That movie got type. people talking. A lot of people were like, what does it mean? Oh, yeah. I mean, that's the whole other side of that movie. Not that I ever, I personally never really bought into that shit because it was just a movie to me and I liked the action. Um, but that was, yeah, people went. Like, who is the architect? And- Marky Papers. We, we went to high school with a kid named Mark Papers, God rest his soul. And Still he, alive. He, uh, he loved that movie, The Matrix. He was like, <laughs> <laughs> used to drive around with the the Matrix soundtracks Matrix soundtrack playing in his El Camino. Really? Now is the time. You know. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's my that's what I have to say about the Matrix. Do you agree with this one? Or are you you know? Are you... Hey, uh, I admit, uh, thorough argument. The Matrix is very influential. Uh, and I enjoyed the movie at the time. I, you know, again, I I think I saw it recently, and it didn't hold up quite as well as I wanted it to. But I think uh, I think it was a sequel I was seeing, which... Oh, well, yeah, the sequels, to. definitely. I, I'm not counting those, which didn't come out in the 90s anyway. But right. I I think that first movie is just so cool still to this day. And I think, I hope maybe kids down the road will look at it as a cool movie. And, I, you know, I, I sometimes you hear movies, and you're like, oh, this movie's so cool. And you watch it, and you're like, oh, that's... That's that. So mm-hmm. I hope people don't feel that way about The Matrix, even though I still, I kind of always felt that way about The Matrix. Does that make any sense? I always kind of took it as kind of um, like an Independence Day. Like, I, I always thought it was kind of like tongue-in-cheek, The Matrix. I know that's kind of a weird thing to say because it's so serious, and never, but I always kind of viewed it as like, oh, this is... Like, it started... Like, how is Keanu Reeves a joke in one movie and not a joke in another movie? That's what I never got about 
the Matrix, you know, because people make fun of him constantly. Oh, with the Matrix, and it's not—he was still him in the Matrix. Mm-hmm. So that's that's why I always kind of viewed the Matrix as just like a grain of salt. Like, oh, this is a fun movie because it was a Keanu Reeves movie, right? right. Like forty-seven Ronin. Yeah. Like, just look at it. It's like it's a Keanu Reeves movie. Like, enjoy that. Yeah, I enjoyed I, that I enjoyed movie. It. Yeah. I skipped out on another movie and like went to see forty-seven Ronin. Yeah. <laughs> I think, Fact. I think I asked you this before. Did you ever see John Wick? Yeah, we uh, we watched it on Netflix. I think I I enjoyed it. Yeah, he kicked a lot of ass in that movie. I got it confused with Jack Reacher, which I also oh, saw I on Netflix, that. and they're kind of the same. Like they're all the same. Anyway. Yeah, it, it was yeah, but it's like a middle aged man goes around and kicks. I like them both. I don't remember anything bad about either one of them, but I I like I could intersperse the scenes with each other and probably not to live. And yeah, and I know there was a car chase in one of or sure. Or and I bet you there was a quick camera cut somewhere in that movie. 167 cuts, and I picked my nose. That's probably in one scene. Um, okay, so on to our third pick. What's your third pick? Third pick. I don't even really like this movie all that much. Uh, Titanic. It, Never heard of it. <laughs> <laughs> it was the top-grossing movie of all time for an extended period, about yeah. 20 years ish. Yeah. Um, Maybe a little bit less. Oh my god, we were in high school when that movie came out. It was huge, dude. Yeah. Huge. Another movie that was in the theaters for over a year. Multiple re-releases. The freaking soundtrack and that song was everywhere. So, I don't mean to knock you down, but this is my point in this program. You're not telling me. You're telling me it's huge, which everyone knows. This is not news. Why was it influential? What did it influence? I think um, what was influential about it was that it was a big budget movie aimed at women, and I don't think there are many of those, because, let's face it, that audience was mostly women, and it was the top grossing movie of all time. It's true. It's true. uh, So it basically made romance a big budget uh, attraction. But... What has what has come because of Titanic? It changed the industry, I feel. But but what are what are the movies? What are the Titanic S movies that they are continuing to make? I don't think any movie has quite done it as well. Well, clearly not. Um, but there are a lot of romantic comedies that come out every year, and even but though they don't make a billion dollars, r- many of them make money. Romantic comedy is not what Titanic is, not even by a long shot. But. It's romance, and that's but what we no, generally no, 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 get. No, no. I mean, look at romance sorry. movies are very inexpensive to make because you don't need a lot of special effects, you don't need a lot of set pieces. So they've been made in a steady stream forever, and that's why the ones like Harry Met Sally and um, you know Sleepless in Seattle and going back even further like Annie Hall and Manhattan and things like that. That's why they've been so successful because they don't take a lot of money to make. So it's not like Titanic came made all this money, but they spent a lot of money too, and then now all these movies are huge budget historical romances. Like how how to lose a guy in ten days has nothing is would have been made without Titanic. Well, I don't I don't necessarily agree because while I think Titanic is completely different from those movies, it's an old classic movie in the way of like Casablanca or, you know, the original Ben Hur or something like that. Like something bigger than life, literally, Titanic. That, that's that's great, but you're still not telling me what it influenced. What Are I'm, they continuing to make movies like that? No, but what I'm saying is because it opened the market for female-driven movies, 
a lot of smaller movies have come in and take I that I can't place. buy that because there's always been, you know, quote-unquote female-driven movies. And I'm not going to, you know, we'll get in trouble if we, like, pigeonhole ourselves too much with this. But you look at so many movies. Murphy's Romance, this movie with Sally Field. And, you know, <laughs> I've actually never seen that movie. My mom loves that movie. So I've seen, like, you know, half of it 30 times. Um, but there's always been these female-driven movies that were geared strictly to, toward female, all romance and dancing and, you know, whatever it may be. Well, Perhaps I mean, dirty dancing. Look, look at Grease. You think Grease was aimed towards men or women, and that's a huge movie, too. Mm-hmm. Um, and that movie, actually, I feel is pretty influential, too, but that's, that's a completely separate story. But I just don't feel that Titanic opened the door for, to make women's movies because they're not doing it. They're making comedies. Comedies with women or just straight-up romance. They're not making huge... You know, because that movie is, is it's a, I guess, a female-geared movie, but it's very, very man-oriented, too. Um, the special effects are great, and they were, right. and that's another thing. They were the best special effects, essentially, at the right. time when that movie came out, which no, no romantic movie is even attempting now. It's mm-hmm. all these sci-fi epics or superhero movies. So I just don't see how Titanic influenced anything other than James Cameron as a name and a brand. Well, that's part of it, too, because James Cameron, you know, uh, he had a prior success with Terminator 2 and The Abyss, and he knew yeah, how to make big-budget movies. What I'm saying is that the movie's success changed the industry, not necessarily the movie itself. The movie itself is kind of out of time. They don't make movies like that really anymore, and they're, it didn't influence them making more of those. All I'm saying is that you have to think over a slightly longer period of time because women and minorities right now are making this huge push in movies and television to be better represented and that's through a long toil of years of like only small progress like from Titanic on I guarantee you that female driven movies have gone up in I, but I don't think that has as much to do with Titanic as it has to do with our society but I think it influenced it. I mean, it had such an impact. It was everywhere for so long that I think it had a trickle-down effect on society. Wow. I, I cannot agree with that thing. Okay. I, th- I was thinking about when you said Titanic. I th- the only th- film I think it influenced was Pearl Harbor. That was the other one I thought of. And that was pretty quickly after. Right? I think two years, three years after Titanic. I thought of Pearl Harbor because that was also like a grandiose historical epic, mm-hmm. mainly romance. And there were a couple of movies that tried to steal Titanic's thunder, like those like grand epics, but Cap- there weren't a lot. Captain Coralli's Mandolin, I think, was maybe like another one like uh, that. Maybe. Like movie grand with, love but, stories. But I think, I still think, even like The Notebook is, you know, historical because it took place in the, the past, but I just don't think that... That's not a big budget. No, that's what I'm thing. saying. But, that, I mean, that's a huge romance like straight romance not romantic comedy like straight romance movie that you know is almost universally adored is The Notebook okay you don't think the the success of Titanic possibly creaked the door open slightly more for movies like The Notebook to get made I don't think so I think those you know movies were being made before Titanic like look at like Sense and Sensibility that was early 90s you know Um, the one with uh, but Okay. But, I mean, that's, you know, because I think, like, those uh, Kira Knightley, Colin Firth movies are pretty much usually, especially the period ones, are straight romance. I just think about... English movies. Well, that's what I'm thinking. I think about straight romance movies because, aside from the action aspect, there's no comedy in Titanic. It wasn't played for laughs. It's not a romantic comedy. It's a true, like, romance movie. So I was thinking about just, like, true romance movies that aren't romantic comedies or date movies or we broke up and it's (laughs) wacky, you know, it's... 
So I was thinking about like all those <clears throat> Keira Knightley joke movies that are. Yeah, oh, a, a joke to you personally. Bis, biscuits and tea, and then I shall promptly throw out the biscuits. <laughs> <laughs> that reading from. No, I'm just kidding. So what then is your third influential movie My of the 90s? third most influential movie of the 90s. I was thinking about women highly when I thought about this movie because of I think it's just far, far, far-reaching influence. And that's Tim Burton's The Nightmare Before Christmas. Mm-hmm. I think that movie, it's 23 years old at this point, and I think it has never gone on the, the you know... I don't think there's been like so much of an up and down with that movie as like a steady. It's always been steadily in the public's consciousness, even though it's a basically a standalone movie. I think staying power. Staying power. That's what I'm trying to get at here. I think Titanic. You know, people don't think about it like, and it's not in culture as much as it used to be. Jurassic Park, same thing. I think it is a little bit more now because it's like a brand and it's a logo and it's a franchise. Titanic's hard to do with that because of what it is. Um, but I, I, you know, Jack Skellington. And, I, you know, I don't mean this to make a joke or anything, but it's like Hot Topic. Anytime you've been in Hot Topic since mm-hmm. that movie's come out, you can find products. And it's not because it's just Disney, because that's, that's another aspect to it. But it's also because I think people associate with, I mean, goth kids, quote-unquote. I don't know what they're called anymore. I'm not trying to pigeon, pigeonhole anyone once again, like I said. But they, it's always Jack Skellington. He's always been that logo or that mascot or the, the Tim Burton chic. You know, I, I make fun of my wife because she gets, like, the black and white stripes. I'm like, ah, oh, designs by Tim Burton. <laughs> but I think, and especially with girls, I was thinking about girls who, you know, this is also, we went to Disney Disneyland. I got me really thinking about this because I saw, like, a lot, a lot of kids and a lot of, like, girls with the, you know, the goth look. And it was, like, the Jack Skellington. And I thought, well, that, you know, how they look exactly how I did when the movie came out and we were 12 and 15 years old, 13 years old, and the goth girls and goth boys were wearing the, the Jack Skellington stuff. And I thought, you know, before, before Harley Quinn, obviously, that, that he was like the symbol almost for like alternative goth culture. And I think that has such a strong influence because it's never gone away. Like, you know, you would not, it, it wouldn't be unusual to see that from 93 to now on anybody you would just like accept it as like almost like a misfit you know you always see the misfits logo or you know maybe a sex mm-hmm. pistol shirt i think it's like that it's just so influential because of the you know the visual the visual of the, the movie yeah, the cult following i think it's more than cult following i think it's i think it's a mainstream following almost like a star wars i mean obviously not on that scale but uh, I wouldn't say mainstream only because, you know, the kid might, the, the 16-year-old kid who still is goth or whatever might know it, but maybe their parents can be like, what the hell is that? I don't know. I don't know how mainstream that is. And I do see it everywhere. Um, I just kind of didn't think of that movie because I think... I, I think, I'm sorry, I don't, go ahead. I think Tim Burton had already established that style in previous movies, so... I think uh, Nightmare Before Christmas just kind of continued that and like had the most staying power because no, you don't see too many people walk around with a Beetlejuice shirt on, but or you a, see or scissor hands. Yeah, but those are real actors, whereas this is more of a cartoon. So I think it kind of drew kids in because they're like, oh, it's a cartoon, and parents who didn't watch it with the kid were like, oh, this is probably not made for kids. 
Yeah, but it was it was always marketed as a Disney movie. Like they didn't make no secret. So I think that parents accepted it because they knew it was a Disney movie, even though it was. I don't think Disney owned it at first, though. They always did. Yeah, it's always been a Disney movie. Um, I don't know how much it was marketed toward kids, but I think it got into the kids' culture, and that's why a lot of kids grew up with it. And they're like, oh, that. You know, like, influenced me as a kid growing up. Like, I want to be dark and brooding like that now. Well, and, and that's what I'm saying. I think, uh, you know, for women, especially after you said Titanic, I was thinking, you know, women born since Titanic and, and Nightmare Before Christmas came out, let's say since from 2000 on, 15, 16-year-old girls, I think The Nightmare Before Christmas is more of an influential movie in general than Titanic. For all girls across the board. It, I mean, I mean, if I would, really if I would depend on the girl, you know. But what it means like maybe they, she hates both of them. It just. Well, no, I understand that. This, I'm not saying that everyone likes either one, one or the other. But right. Um, no, I, I see your point. They're, they're, I, I don't know if one is more influential than the other because they're completely different. But yeah, I mean, that was that was a big movie for that subset of people who who were interested in that. I mean, I watched it later in life so it didn't really have as much of an impact but I knew people who were like oh my god I love that movie and yeah. I was like what's to love about it and then I watched it and I was like oh that was really good it's, it's that was about it I like that movie um, but I think uh, yeah like I said it's just uh, I feel like that style had already kind of come around with Beetlejuice and Batman in particular I mean he did establish that style but I don't think it caught on until that movie with that movie and I think it it's always been kind of like a like a thread in that whole goth subculture which isn't that sub I mean you see tons of goth people all the time but I think people still you know aside from like I said like the Harley Quinn that's the, like the new one yeah. Harley Quinn and Deadpool the goth, the goth kids but I think that Jack Skellington is just always everywhere you got the kids like you said you got the kids if you get the kids man you get the parents because kids are like I want I want kids are the worst <laughs> I'm just teasing wow <clears throat> wow I can't speak to that that's how I was brought up so you're not a, you just you're not agreeing with that one. No, I agree with you. It's very influential. I just you know I didn't quite think of it because I think of Tim Burton more of late eighties. Mm, mm. Do you uh, have any uh, honorable mentions? Any ones that didn't make the cup but were close? Um, I really I kind of just thought of these three and I was like that's it. Those are pretty influential. Because yeah. um, honestly, they were the first three that came to me and I was like that's got to speak to something. That these are the first that. three movies I think of when I think of the nineties. Yeah. I mean, there are tons of great. Like, freaking Hunt for Red October. Oh yeah, I mean, we can go on and on about movies from the nineties. That movie that is gorgeous. I, I rented Mallrats on VHS over thirty times. So. Oh, that freaking and that was very influential with I, that subset yeah, of for, people yeah, who for liked us, it. For us, but tons of people. I mean, it's true. But I mean, it really Kevin spoke. Smith is a brand now because of movies like that. It spoke to me as a, a comic book guy, big time. I mean, big that time. was his last good movie. And he was like one of the first people to use Kevin or uh, to use Stan Lee in his movies. Think about that. Mm-hmm. I was shitting my pants as being thirteen years old, but now everyone's it's just like old hat. Right. <clears throat> Ben Affleck lent his early star to those movies. My my, he's not my good friend, but I love Ben Affleck. I've said it many times on this program, and I'll just continue to support the man. He's he's always doing good in my eyes. Keep it keep it strong, BF. <laughs> BF, Ben Affleck or ben, no best friend? Yeah, best friend. <laughs> You've been replaced <laughs> by Batfleck. What took so long? What took so long? Yeah. No, Batfleck, if you're listening, man, good luck. Good luck, brother. Yeah, he, he needs luck. <laughs> well, you know. All right, so uh, anything else you want to add before we wrap this oh, up? Oh, yeah, no, I had an honorable mention, you motherfucker. Why you got to... <laughs> oh, oh. 
<laughs> sorry, you're just so rude all the time. Sorry to the chitins. Uh, yeah, sorry, 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 I curse in front of the chitins. Um, I was going to say the Blair Witch Project from 99 also. I think that's... Oh, you don't um, mean the new one that's that's coming out? No, no, no. But I was thinking about the old Blair Witch Project and, you know, the found footage. I know it's not the first movie and I know people are going to jump. Well, you know, this movie from Australia in 1978 with the first time foot, you know. <laughs> uh, but Blair Witch, I mean, think of how many movies still to this day are just Blair Witch because, you know, we have video cameras rolling movies. So I would say that's over 200, Blair Witch, 200 movies. You know? Over uh. Well, I mean, I'm talking like all these movies have been influenced directly by Blair Witch by just being like found footage movies, quote unquote, or people mm-hmm. filming, you know, a, uh, paranormal things in their house or whatever. Like, that's all because of Blair Witch. And like, just, you know, that's what I was thinking. But I'm not going to go on about it. But that was, that was my... I've never seen it. Um, I definitely say it's worth a viewing. I am... I hate to admit this because, you know, people people make fun of people like this, but I'm one of the people who found it terrifying. Like, mm-hmm. I was so scared. I really was, truly. Uh, from what it's been described to me, I was like, that sounds it's, I thought it was pretty scary, but I also don't... I only watch scary movies like Jason and Freddy and stuff like that because I can handle those ones. I can't really handle scary, scary movies. Dude, that, it genuinely scares me, especially yeah. if, it, if it's a monster, I'm less scared. If it's, like... Unex- the unexplained that I'm more more scared yeah that's why I love Mothman Prophecy so much because I'm like this well, movie terrifies yeah, me Mothman Prophecy is a cool movie yeah. it comes up a lot sorry everybody yeah we <laughs> bring up Mothman Prophecies every it's like we should just do like a freaking Mothman Prophecy why is Prophecies? Mothman Prophecies the best movie ever created that's not true it's not not at all it's not even the best Richard Gere movie of the 90s <laughs> It might be that. I don't yeah, know. It might be. I'd have to look it up. All right, everybody. Uh, next time, Richard Gere's Movies of the 90s. Hell no. <laughs> Hell, I'm not even going to talk that about Richard Gere ever again on this program. Uh, hamsters might come up. All right. Uh, congratulations, Boston Red Sox 2016 American League East champions once again. You really think that was worthy of now? <laughs> <laughs> wow. Wow. Because Man. it happens so often. Did, did you hear that one of those Mets players, he he changed his, his walk-up music to the theme from Friends? Did you hear that? No. I, I don't know who it was. It might have been Suspettis changed his like, walk-up music to the theme from Friends, and the fans went crazy. He's awesome. Yeah, I, you know, f- f- for the Mets fans, it hasn't been their day, their month, their week, <laughs> or even their year. <laughs> <laughs> I appropriated that joke. I saw. I saw it. It was on a screen at a gas station. So I thought it was funny. I you pro- would find humor on a I, screen at I, a gas station. Well, I mean, they got TVs at the gas station. I'm pumping up my gas here, and they're like, "Oh, that's a Mets joke." And I was like, oh, "I know. I know who the Mets are." <laughs> he has been nothing short of spectacular since he's come over. I must say, I didn't think he oh, was worth Yeah. Yeah, he's like another one. Like we had, and just was like, mm, yeah. He's, well, he sucked for you. Like, good for us. Like Adrian Belche, like freaking Carl Crawford. Like. Wah. <laughs> I guess that's true. <laughs> All right, everybody. Uh, thanks for joining us. We look forward to uh, yeah, we're gonna entertaining turn, you next We're going to turn out another one of these bad boys quite, quite soon. All right, so stay tuned. Stay tuned. <laughs>